Welcome to the Ed Epley Experience. 20 minutes that simplifies the complex job of managing and leading people and inspires you to take action on what you probably already know to build and sustain a smart and healthy business. Here's your host, Ed Epley, to introduce this week's guest and business leader. Welcome to the Ed Epley Experience, the podcast designed to simplify the complex job of managing and leading people. And as always, their goal in this podcast is to share at least one proven business practice that will help you build a more sustainable and profitable and purpose-driven company. Well, you know, eventually you run out of guests that you know and care about. So then you just come up with the ones you know. And um, so today, I no, I'm pulling your leg, audience, and of our guest, Mr. Wes Guype. He's become a dear friend. Uh, he's become actually a mentor in many respects and a coach for me and somebody that I just appreciate any time I get to spend with him. He's wickedly smart. And he's fearless. And in our work that we do, it really is helpful to have both of those. Either one of them by themselves is probably not enough. And the fact that he does them both is really a special thing. So, Wes, welcome to the Ed Epley experience. And uh, appreciate you taking a few moments of your busy schedule to be with us. It is sure a delight to be here. Thank you for having me, Ed. Yep, I'm, I'm glad to do it. We're going to get right into this because there's, there's so little time and so much that I'd like to ask you. I, I'm curious about What was your first job that you got a paycheck for? Golly, first job I got a paycheck for was probably bailing hay. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And and, uh, that I learned very quickly was not something that I wanted to do for the rest of my my life. All jobs are profitable, some some in terms of financial gain and others in terms of uh, learning about what you like and don't. And I enjoyed the physical aspect of that, but but it was a bit much. A lot of instant gratification in bailing hay. You know, there is really, right. uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you can see the work that you've done. Uh, and I've learned about myself that that's something that's, that, that is very important to me regardless. You know, uh, for our audience that did not grow up on farms like the both of us, uh, baling hay, there's three jobs. There's driving the, the tractor that pulls the baler, the hay baler that creates the bale of hay or straw. There is the person who loads the wagon. Actually, there's four jobs. There's the person who unloads the wagon when you take it to the place you're going to store it. And then there are the people up in the what we call the hay mile or the straw mile where the hay or straw is stored. And they are the ones that have to stack it and place it and uh, walk around on very uneven and not so sure footing. So, Wes, what was your least favorite of those jobs? Uh, The work in the hay mile by a long shot. And explain to the audience why that was the case. It's, it's hotter than blazes up there. <laughs> and, you know, heat rises. And yep. 110 degrees, no air. and uh, No air moving in those old bank barns and all that good stuff. So yep. it was, you know, it, it was, it was a good job though. You know? It was a great job, but it was a painful and, and you did not, <laughs> it was rule in our house. You didn't want, you didn't want to make my dad mad the day of, or the day before bailing because you, were going, you, you were going to the mile. So that was, For just, certain. Yes, was sir. all right. Uh, enough of reminiscence. So, so you learned a lot from that and clearly growing up around or on a farm, my guess work ethic was pretty much uh, modeled for you all the time, right? It was, you know, my dad was not a farmer, but we grew up on a farm. So we bought the homestead kind of off of, off of a farm that uh, the neighbor ran. Okay. Um, and so we were around livestock and farming really growing up quite a bit. My dad happened to be uh, a CPA, um, but 
he was a hardworking man, is a hardworking man, and I think he'll be a hardworking man until until he falls backwards into his grave. I think that's ultimately his retirement plan. Um, and so I did learn uh, a lot about work ethic from him. He, you know, he, they bought their first home when in the early '80s when all they could do was with a good job was to pay interest. And so, you know, that's the home that I grew up in and I watched them be careful financially and remodel that home as an 1880s farm home and remodel that a piece at a time as they had the cash to do it. And, and so I learned a ton from that experience. How much of your dad's or mom's work ethic shows up in what you do? Oh, I think, I think a ton of it, you know, I've never, claimed at all to be the smartest guy in the room, but I've generally been willing to outwork most of the folks around me. And I think that's what dad showed me is that you got a little bit of intellect, a passable amount of intellect, and you add some work ethic to that. And and if you're willing to work harder than everybody else around you, chances are you're going to be successful at whatever you put your mind to. Well, I know that you're usually the smartest guy in the room, but but I know you won't admit to that. Um, <laughs> and I combine that with your work ethic, and and it's pretty powerful. I know I know that from firsthand experience. Um, let's talk a little bit about the evolution of your craft. You were an entrepreneur, a successful on. Well, you were an unsuccessful entrepreneur who became a successful entrepreneur and then you started to recognize you enjoyed working with others so explain to the audience that journey uh, uh, for us yeah you know i don't know that there's any point in your career that you claim success i started uh, a little it company back in 1997 uh had the good fortune in 1999 to go full-time with that work it was right before y2k and uh, fortunately for me, anybody who had taken a typing course was a computer expert at the time. If you had time, you could sell it. And uh, I wasn't from a particularly wealthy family. And so if I was going to start a business, uh, I had what I had. And if I had, uh, which was about 500 bucks to my name, and if I wanted a thousand, I was going to have to turn that 500 into a thousand. And so desperation is a cruel teacher, but she's a good one. And so uh, I didn't want investors. I didn't want outside capital. And so I don't know how many hours in 1999 I worked, but I built 392 in the month of December uh, 1999. And that's what gave me the seed capital uh, to get started. (laughs) What was that number again for the month of December? 392. (laughs) So that's one of those numbers you just never forget. (laughs) That's an amazing number to build. <laughs> so, so, but but I came out with some capital, you know. Yeah. And my wife and I had just gotten married in July, and then went full time. Uh, really, two weeks later, after we went on a honeymoon for a week, came back in a week after we got back on the on that Friday. I was working for a general contractor, and on that Friday, I sort of just decided, well, if I don't give this a shot now, I may never. And right. so I Great. quit my job on the way out the door. And came home and told my bride of two weeks that I was going to be unemployed in a couple of weeks, but we were, we were going to figure it out. And so, you know, a year later, I had the privilege to, to begin working with my oldest brother, I convinced him to leave his job in corporate America and, and join, join me. And then we just, you know, grew. And uh, the economy was really good to us. We were able to be a low-cost provider in in the early days, which was an advantage. Um, Certainly, we had no overhead. Some things worked in our favor in that regard. And then uh, then 2008 hit. 
And, uh, you know, for most of us, 08 doesn't have a lot of positive emotion associated with it. And uh, we were certainly no different. Um, and, you know, up until that time, well, part of it was just, that was back when I was young and knew everything. Uh, but up until that time, I was looking around and said, I don't understand why this is so hard for everybody else. You know, you just show up and do the right thing and business comes and you do the, do, do good work and you do what you say you were going to do. And more people come than what generally what you got the capacity to serve. And, and uh, well, 08 changed all that. You know, purchase orders weren't worth the paper they were printed on. It's just we went from we took a 20 percent annual revenue haircut in about 15 days in December of 2008. Did you end up having to lay off folks? Uh, we did. Yeah. Yeah. It was an ugly time for the first time ever. Yeah. Uh, it, it was a really, really ugly time. Um, but what I realized quickly, I, you know, was fortunate enough to be introduced to Aileron, which is a nonprofit that's centered on helping second stage entrepreneurs to go to the next right place in their business. And, you know, went to them sort of in desperation saying, I don't, I, mean, I don't know if I got enough cash. Fortunately, we've been conservative. With, with our cash, but but it, things were looking pretty grim right. at the time, and um, didn't know if I had enough cash to get through it. And uh, w- with a lot of their help, sort of reimagined a future for that business and rebuilt it into one that was laser focused on the healthcare space. So that's where you saw somebody else facilitating conversations uh, for the first time about what it means to professionally manage and lead a business, right? It was. Yeah. Do you remember when you said, "I want to do some version of that"? Well, you know, um, it's interesting. Uh, someone else first said that is how that played out. You know, we got three, four years into implementing professional management in my own company, and I had this dream to, to make myself redundant. And, you know, I think that's sort of every entrepreneur's dream in, in some way, shape, or form uh, in, until it happens. Uh, and that's a whole other journey. Right. And, and so we just ate this stuff up. This was the first practical. Uh, system to run a business that I'd run across. Spent a lot of money on consultants and and, and f- folks that were allegedly going to be of help from the industry, most mostly from our own industry, which I learned later was half the problem. And so, in so doing, you know, we just ate this stuff up. One of the facilitators for, for their flagship course asked me to if I would consider facilitating that course. And so that was the first time, candidly, that I had any inclination that I had skills that might be useful outside the context of my own business. Well, and you got a taste of it and you recognized you loved it, that it it scratched an itch that you probably didn't even know you had at the time. It it sure was. It was, it was sort of exhilarating to watch other people uh, make discoveries and grow in their confidence and courage to use the knowledge and and the wisdom and the experience that they already have. My grandfather, Grandpa Browsy, when I used to show up on his doorstep, he and my grandma would always call me the professor. And uh-huh. I don't I don't know why, why they did that. But they, they yeah, they, they, it was really something that, that uh, so much of my life has been spent in teaching and learning. And um, I think somehow your DNA pulls you in those directions, right? You, 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 you find opportunities to be there and you, you act on it and you recognize, man, this, this is a sweet spot for me. I can do this and do it well. 
Yeah. And I got to the point where the business was able to go on in my absence. And so I was sort of looking for the next right thing and really committed to doing this kind of work, working with other entrepreneurs and other businesses uh, a day a week, thinking that I might find something else, uh, another business to buy, whatever was the next uh, chapter. And, uh, you know, before I knew it, it was 50 or 60 hours a week. uh, And I was just having the time of my life. So the opportunity to help people, I think, is what draws me in into the work. You're listening to the Ed Epley Experience. Email Ed now with your questions for today's guest to podcast at theepleygroup.com. In his book, Let's Be Clear, Six Disciplines of Focused Management Pros, author Ed Epley breaks down key practices of professional management, how to implement them, and why it matters. Purchase your copy on Amazon.com today. Develop your competitive edge for the future while building a sustainable and thriving business. You know, I'm uh, very much uh, a, a student and a believer that uh, businesses need to have a purpose beyond making money that uh, allows people, especially at the highest levels, to uh, be willing to personally sacrifice for this purpose. It's it's important enough that that I will I will for at least a period of time be willing to put what I want second to to what we are as a group trying to make happen in our purpose because it it it's meaningful. It it. Uh, it's a qualitative component to my life if I can do that. Yeah. I've been fortunate for the last few years to know that I'm fulfilling my life's purpose doing the work that I do. And I sense that you're you're pretty much in that same spot. Is I don't mean to put words in your mouth, but it, how do you yeah. feel about that? Yeah. And it's, this is the best work of my career with, with no close second. And, and I don't want to belittle the, the contributions that we made to society as a for-profit company. Um, I, I've... Uh, just a, an intense belief that capitalism is what allows this country to remain free and the work of capitalism in Clay Matil's words, to, you know, putting your capital at risk to create jobs for other human beings yeah. is really one of the highest callings of mankind. What, what I realized was that I could do that and that could go on in my absence. And then I could take the things that I had learned uh, applying these principles and, and have a greater impact on the world around me by helping others yep. uh, gain the confidence to, to make some of the same hard decisions that I had to make in, in really 2009, 10, 11, 12 timeframe. Um, my guess is you put in some, some months where you didn't bill 392 hours since you've started doing this work, but you've certainly worked 392 hours. Yeah. It, you know, it's addictive. It's, it it's addictive. And I, I think a blessing and a curse is that, I feel others' pain and success pretty deeply, and so it's hard not to hurt when when those you're working with hurt. And yep. to, and of course, it's a whole lot of fun to celebrate when when they make breakthroughs. And we get to see in the work that you and I are fortunate enough to do, so many great people and so many great companies, and um, uh, and the fact that they. And welcome us in and give us an opportunity to spend time with them is is such a gift. It's remarkable. I'll, t- I'll tell you, this work has sort of restored my faith in humanity in some ways, in that we are such a polarized nation 
and I think we always have been, but it just feels like the degree to which we're polarized is 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 greater now than certainly at other times in our history mm-hmm. as a country. And and to see people quietly doing the right thing consistently, yeah, uh, and, and not only not getting press uh, for it, but having no desire for, oh, for yeah. recognition uh, yeah. for that good work. If others could only see. The, the wonderful things I think that Ed, you and I get to see when we lift the covers on some of these businesses, I think the media would, would quickly lose their, their footing. <laughs> well, there wouldn't be near the drama, that's for sure. For certain, yeah. Um, I, I need to move on because of our time constraints to, to a couple other things, but I, I just really uh, want you to know that the way you uh, help companies is really admirable and you don't need to respond to that but for folks that have never worked with Wes his um, genuine interest and concern and willingness to to take on tough things and talk about tough issues is really one of the hallmarks of what makes him as successful as he is Wes um, what do you see for people that are operating closely held businesses what are the two or three things that you sense that and I if you want to categorize them into different size companies, that's okay. But the two or three things that tend to get in their way of being more successful as quickly as they would want and success being not purely financial, but running that balanced business that's both smart and healthy. Yeah. You know, I often joke that 75% of my time is spent equipping people to have uh, discussions they already know they need to have giving them the tools and the courage to approach hard things. One, one of the things that I, I've been really interested in the last five, six years that I've been doing this is people's capacity to understand innately what needs to be done. Yeah. So often the work is not about some great idea. <laughs> Seldom is the work with, with privately held businesses about giving them new ideas. It's about giving them the courage to try things that are outside the norm for their industry or their reality. And, and, you know, unfortunately, in an awful lot of the cases, the the impediments to success have names. And uh, as inconvenient as it is, uh, sort of a universal truth is the people that get you to one place in, in your business may very well not be the ideal people to take you where you need to go. So if I summarize what you said so far, there's two things that I've heard. One is that closely held companies uh, need to have conversations about certain things and that for whatever reason, they're they're not having those conversations. That's one thing. And then secondly, oftentimes people that have allowed you to get to the point where you are, are not necessarily certain people are not the the ones you can take that can take you forward. Right, right. And and I think um, helping people to separate judging someone's contribution and professional ability from their character. So, you know, uh, it, it's certainly our job as leaders to to judge people around the people around us's ability yeah. to do the work we've asked them to do. That has nothing to do with with, with their character. So well, great people hit their head. Yeah. I, I also think that we we so often as a part of their character, look at the amount of effort they have given us and and uh, put into the job. And we uh, and the fact that they were there when 
through all the tough times when we started. And yeah, I, yeah. I had a number of those, those very situations to, to address, uh, you know, employee number two, uh, was no longer able to contribute in the way that was going to take us forward. And, that, and those are incredibly difficult conversations and conversations that I was unable to have without some outside influence and support. Well, I appreciate your sharing those sentiments about those couple of things. Do you think with where the economy is and, and where business is today, do you think over the next three to five years, those issues are going to be different about what get in the way of businesses being as successful as they want? Yeah, I, I don't know if they'll be they'll they'll be different. I think they'll show up with different urgency is the way I would answer that. Um, so I think those are pretty universal human uh, barriers. Yeah, I agree. You know, I think we are we are naturally a conflict diverse. Most of us. <laughs> pretty good at avoiding things that involve people we care about in particular and and conflict that involves people that we that we care about in particular stories we tell ourselves to not have to give ourselves permission to not have those discussions boy and you know so many different ways we could places we could go with that you know the, the one of the observations i've had in working with people on values is that every organization has in some way shape or form integrity as a core value and often i will challenge that thought with if everybody's got it you, you know how meaningful is that really number one and number two we, we don't possess the ability to be honest with ourselves right. as human beings so to hold people to a standard of of integrity all the time is probably a bit of a pipe dream anyway. Um, and so, um, and so, yeah, we struggle, we struggle to look at the world objectively uh, around us. So, you know, um, you look forward at what's going to happen economically and, and you know, the best year ever, uh, followed by the best year ever, followed by the best year ever. Eventually that's got to come to an end right. and, and there's got to be some sort of market correction. So I think five years, certainly, we're going to see some sort of correction. Uh, and, and that's a healthy thing. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, um, that's that's where our crazy thinking, our avoidance of conflict, our avoidance of the hard issues are revealed in ways that we can no longer uh, bury them in sales or a margin uh, as we can in the good times. And that's exactly what happened to us in 2008. Yeah. Is the organization I thought I had was not the organization I had. And I was, I could no longer hide behind margin and growth. Growth covers up a lot of sins. It it does indeed. Growth covers up a lot of sins. Wes, um, if people want to know more about you or get in touch with you, um, what, what's the best way for them to, to contact you if they want to? Yeah, certainly. Um, so I would just encourage you, uh, my bio and information is out on the Aileron website, which is at aileron.org. That's A-I-L-E-R-O-N.org. Uh, my email is just simply wes.gipe, G-I-P-E, at aileron.org. And I'd be delighted to speak with anybody uh, about the journey that I've been on and how that may apply and be able to help you. I would encourage people to to reach out to Wes because one, he's a talent. Uh, number two, he's a genuinely good man. But the other thing, he's also uh, he's a Renaissance guy. So if no matter whatever your topic is, it'll probably end up becoming another topic because of his varied interest and um, amazing skills in so many things. So 
he's a pleasure to be around. So if you get a chance, folks, I highly recommend it. If you need more from me at Epley, uh, visit the website, theepleygroup.com. Uh, you can get my book there. Let's be clear. We have our assessment for the six disciplines of professional management to see how you stack up. And uh, there's a few blogs and, and postings I have there as well on different things that I think about from time to time. So we, we appreciate you as an audience. As always, we look forward to our next guest uh, in a week or so. Uh, but in the meantime, we'll wish you a very uh, pleasant good afternoon, good day, good night, whatever it is, wherever you are when you're listening to this. And we'll uh, be back at you soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Ed Epley Experience. For more information on building a more sustainable, smarter, and healthier business, visit www.theepleygroup.com for resources, tips, and Ed's latest blogs. That's theepleygroup.com. Plus, take a free assessment at theepleygroup.com slash assessment to find out how you measure up as a highly skilled and accomplished manager and where to focus on improving your skills. 